Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast. I'm Connor Whiteley, bringing you with psychology news, articles and other interesting psychology related articles. You where I can find the podcast notes and more interesting psychology related things and you can get your free 8 psychology book box set at connorwhiteley.net. Now let's get on to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 76 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Conor Wiley. And today's episode is on how to make anxiety your friend. And it is Saturday the 25th of February 2021 as I record this. So today's episode I really like because when I came across this article that inspired today's blog post, it reminded me about one of my favourite psychology facts or one of the best psychology things that I've seen. And I talk more about this in the content part of today's episode, that stress is actually our friend. And it's also because we think stress is bad, then that's when, yes, and then that's when we start to get the negative physical effects that stress brings on so that's really really interesting and then today's episode actually builds upon that and actually puts it towards anxiety that anxiety isn't bad for us and anxiety is our body trying to help us so there's more on that in the content part of today's episode so moving on to the psychology news section so we're looking at the British Psychological Society Research Digest and they've actually some really good articles today so saying that girls are just as good as boys at maths can inadvertently perpetuate gender stereotypes. Though girls and boys do equally well on maths tests, the stereotype that girls aren't as naturally abled at maths or likely to be um, extremely smart is adopted early, even six-year-olds in the US in Dorset. Of course, this stereotype harms women in an education setting and in their professional life, so it's important to understand what gives rise to them. In a new study, research reports that one common and well-intentioned way of attempting to convey girls' equality with boys actually backfires, saying that girls are just as good as boys at something leads to the listener to conclude that boys are naturally better and girls must work harder to be equal to them. So this, I think, is a great shame because women, men are both really, really smart. So I think what we can take away from today's episode is... For starters, don't say that. I know I definitely won't now because I didn't know that was harmful before. Chances are you aren't either. At least I hope so, otherwise I feel like a really bad person. <laughs> yes, but also like it just shows that we need to combat these stereotypes. And it also shows that we need to make both boys and girls realise that they're as smart as each other, not just as smart. In fact, I'm going to stop talking because... I think this just highlights how hard it is to actually change these stereotypes because they are so ingrained in our society. And even though we want to say girls are just as good, it's really hard not to say that because, of course, as we now know, that's a really harmful thing to say. So that's really, really interesting. Okay, so another one is psychological impact of a relationship ending is reflected in language of Reddit users going through bake breakups, not bake-ups. <laughs> okay. So, while some relationships are ended in the heat of the moment, many of the decision to break up with a partner in those several long, agonising weeks of weighing up various options. During that time, your attitudes and behaviours towards your partner may change. Change. You might become colder or more distant, for example. But what about your language? According to a new study, the language we use on social media just prior to breakup can often be a key insight into the emotional and cognitive impacts of relationship ending. Looking at over a million posts from 
6,803 Reddit users who had posted r forward slash breakup. I don't know, is that the Reddit version of tweeting? The team found changes in language were so consistent that they could even be found in posts completely unrelated to relationships at all. So I think it's actually quite interesting and it also makes sense though because we know that our language affects our behaviour and vice versa. So it's actually no surprising that when you're in psychological distress and you're really weighing up these options that it would impact your language as well and also your behaviour. Ah oh, yes, I saw this one earlier. Right, so this one I really want to read. What makes for a meaningful death in fiction? In fiction because, um, well, yeah, because tons of people tend to die in my fiction. In fact, the book that I've just written is probably the most tamed of my books because hardly any of them die. So I was sort of itching to kill someone like in a short story. <laughs> okay, so death can be a powerful narrative tool. We are sub over the demise of a beloved character cheer at the upcoming of our favourite theorem, or sit at the edge of our seats, shocked at deaths we didn't see coming, red wedding anyone? And no, I don't know who that, I don't know what that is. Okay, so all deaths are not created equal. However, a new study looks at what makes certain fictional deaths so memorable. The team reports that although we find some deaths pleasurable, the long-awaited downfall of an antagonist, for example, um, it is those we find meaningful whether that truly stick with us in the long term. And I completely agree because it's not so much like psychology-based, but basically it's all about the emotional um, resonance with the character that readers like and all of that sort of stuff. So that was cool. yes, that one was quite interesting. But I definitely know sort of pleasurable deaths. That can also be like a really annoying side to a character because I think we've all like read books or seen films or TV programs where we just want one character to, to die because he's so annoying or she. Okay, so another one is we prefer to experience good and bad event on the same day as a friend. Okay, interesting. You rub off the panels of a scratch card and you find you're the winner of £100. If you could choose when the same thing should happen to a good friend, would you rather be the same day as a, as a you win or a different day? And what if we're talking about negative rather than positive experiences? When would you both have been issued parking tickets, say, or both suffered a bereavement? Earlier work, work sorry, shows that we tend to prefer to get through a series of negative experiences as quickly, as quickly as possible. And while we like to space out multiple personal positive experiences, God, that was a mouthful, so as to receive most of pleasure from each joy. A new study finds that when we're thinking about shared experiences, though, this doesn't hold up. The participants in the study prefer, prefer to experience both negative and positive events on the same day as a friend, rather than be alone, as long as those events aren't powerfully emotional. The researchers think this is because of preference for integration, because it increases our feelings of a connection with others. This could have implications for how we arrange our lives during lockdown. And this I completely understand though, because if you're having like something good, then you want someone else to feel good like with you. But also though, if nothing good happens on a particular day, but something good happens to your friend, then you are going to feel jealous and you're going to feel like, oh, why didn't I win £100 on the stretch card? But also when we go through something negative, we want someone else to go through something negative um, with us, like just so that um, we aren't alone and we have someone who knows uh, what we're going through. And I would do one more, but my voice is really hurting at the moment. Now, actually, this one's uh, quite short, so I'm uh, going to put my voice out for, <laughs> for you all. Okay, so well, the last one is, uh, is um, 
is we're drawn to fictional villains who are similar to us. So watching Return of the Jedi with my kids at the other night, I found myself quite liking Darth Vader. After all, he's self-disciplined, determined, conscientious and uncompromising, while also being almost entirely evil. It's no secret that we can find fictional villains fascinating. It's been argued that that's because of our evolutionary drawn to understanding bad guys as well. Of course, to a scene of the good guys at prevail, but research suggests that this isn't the full story. And this I completely agree with though, because in a writing though, where like, we also need to make sure that the fictional villain is also like, um, Yes, there's also like relatable and also with that people can understand why they're doing what they're doing because otherwise then your story just seems a bit out there and it can like lose our people but I completely understand this. So that's enough of the psychology news section. Let's move on to the personal update. Moving on to the personal update, so I'm going to keep this um, very short because I've been doing projects, personality report and lots of the less glamorous side of like psychology so there's not a lot to talk about in like today's episode but I've also been doing tons of like fiction work and I'm so glad to have another book done, done that way so I'm really pleased about that but next week I'll be getting back to um, normal university work so hopefully I'll have a few more interesting like um, clips from lectures to share with you and as always I always I love to know your thoughts and feelings on today's episode so you can always email me connorwhitely connorwhitely.net you can always leave a comment at the show notes at connorwhitely.net forward slash podcast and you can always tweet me on twitter at sci-fi whitely and uh, fitting with the theme of today's episode which is about anxiety the sponsored product for today's episode is um, abnormal psychology a guide to depression anxiety and more third edition so this book i've really really enjoyed and i'm actually going to tie it a lot into today's episode because the book really does go into anxiety what causes it and also like the bad side because anger yes because anxiety is not one condition like I first thought when I first started out because there's so many different types and all of them have their own difficulties and also like a treatment so this is was really really interesting like researching it all writing it all up and as always it's always in a fun easy to understand way so that um, if you're bored of really boring textbooks it's going to be nothing like that is it going to be fun and enjoyable so but that's abnormal psychology a guide to depression and anxiety and more third edition and is available for a pre-order now available on all major ebook retailers like amazon kobo google play barnes and noble and many more and you can pre-order the large print paperback and hardback version from amazon or your local bookstore and if you're listening to this in the future, so like after April, then you can get the ebook and the paperback for free at your local library if you request it. So that's enough of the personal update. Let's move on to the content part of today's episode. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to make anxiety your ally. Now, if you remember a long while back, well, like, I went through this massive phase of like telling you that stress is actually quite beneficial. And there was this great TED talk on it, which if you go to conwhitely.net forward slash books, 
scroll down to the bottom of the page there's the great TED talk there that I highly highly recommend and it's such an amazing TED talk. So when I found today's article I actually thought this was really interesting because this actually takes the same sort of idea that anxiety doesn't have to be bad for us and it's actually our body trying to help us. So this I thought was really interesting and that's what I want to talk about today. So we know with the pandemic being chaotic and adding anxiety into our lives our initial reaction is to suppress our feelings and then and annoyed it um, in a tightly because no one wants to be anxious no one wants to feel concerned or anything like that but this is actually quite wrong because while this approach might be helpful in the short term in the long term this creates more problems and we also miss opportunities to deal with our fears so why do we avoid anxiety so this is a great one this is something that i love because again though in our culture in our society we are told that anxiety is a disease we are told that anxiety is a dangerous life-threatening condition that must be avoided at all costs and if you've got anxiety then there's something wrong with you you're not right you're ill and all of that very negative stuff and i can understand this because because having anxiety can be disruptive to our lives and it can cause psychological distress to our clients to ourselves to anyone but this does not help people in fact this can make people feel worse and even more anxious when people do suffer from anxiety because like we're thinking oh i don't want people to know that i've got anxiety i don't want people to judge me and to think that i'm a horrible mess and the more you try and avoid anxiety the more it grows and it's also just like saying don't worry as we all know that that doesn't help I, I cannot remember a time when someone said oh yeah well don't worry about it or don't worry it will go perfectly as we all know that <laughs> that really does not help so how do we make anxiety our friend so interestingly in 2013 researchers from the university of hartford found that socially anxious people who were told who were told to believe anxiety benefited them, coped better during their strategies and during the tasks, which I think is quite interesting because this is all about a mindset shift. So we get to start believing that that getting anxious is because our mind and body want us to benefit from this. They want us to know that our mind and body are ready to handle a threat. So of course, your body wants to protect ourselves and the future. And this is what anxiety is all about. It always comes from our ability to think about the future. And then we get anxious because we care about the future. They And they don't want anything bad to happen to us. Meaning that we get anxious to make sure that the future is okay. And so that we can start to take action to prevent any possible threat to our futures. So how do we make anxiety our friend? friend? So I know this has been quite a short episode, but I just want to wrap up saying this. So... The best way to practice this new skill, so when you next get anxious or you know someone who does, remind yourself and this person that this is your body and mind wanting to help you deal with a threat. Do not avoid this. This is your body wanting to help you. So identify the threat and deal with it. And, and remember, you are in control. So I know this was a quite a short episode, but I really hope that you enjoyed it. I really, really recommend that Psychology of Stress video at connorwiley.net forward slash book yes and then you'll scroll down to the bottom it's a great one please check out abnormal psychology a guide to the treatment and causes of anxiety depression and more a third edition really really recommend it and also if you know someone else who would enjoy the podcast then please tell them about it i'm always really grateful when you wonderful people spread the word so have a great day everyone and i'll see you next time
thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to see the show notes, then please go to ConnorWhitesley.net. And if you want a free Ada Book Psychology box set, then please go to ConnorWhitesley.net. Have a great day and I'll see you next time.